Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. We've just begun a new semester, and with that, we find ourselves in a new series. This spring, we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today, Duncan begins our series by teaching from the first chapter of Mark. In it, we find some deep theology, and we learn that Jesus has authority. This message was recorded on January 13th, 2022 at the McKee Lecture Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. COVID doesn't exist because we're going to have a lot of fun. I don't know about you, but I definitely was sweating because the worship was good, but also the Holy Spirit was here. So um, if you're not sweating by the end of the night, you need to press a little harder. Just saying. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about small groups. Uh, So um, if you're lonely and you're looking for brotherhood, or you're looking for sisterhood, you should definitely join a small group. Um, Small group changed my life, simply because I got to walk with sisters and they walked me through the high and the low. But this is also for guys. You can do it with brothers in a very cooler way. So yeah, (coughs) sorry. Um, Large groups, so welcome to large group. This is it, you're here. Um, So if you're in a small group and you ever miss hanging out with everyone all together and worshiping and being with the Lord and being with your friends, Here you go, Thursday nights, 7 p.m. here, be here. If you're not here, well then, you should probably check social media for the time and the place of where it's at. Um, And then, if you have an excuse like COVID, you know, or whatever, or just homework assignments, you have YouTube and you have podcasts to listen to it. So if you say you missed it, I don't believe you. It's up there, so listen to it. And then, now, we're gonna talk about offering. actually I enjoy um, simply because this actually helps this right here but if you look around um, this room's not full so we need to go out there and in order for that to do that we have events like that are being put on that's because of offering and that helps us to grow the kingdom I promise you I'm not getting paid (laughs) promise you that you know and so um, this helps us to go out on campus and do events and I said this last time but this is just a glimpse of what eternity looks like But this is just a glimpse. Like, this is not even the full room. Like, this isn't even all of heaven. So keep going. Keep pushing. Offer. You know, it's just a couple couple bucks. Get over it. (laughs) It's going to help the kingdom. Um, So I'm going to pray over that. And then we're going to go to the next thing. So, um, dear Lord, just thank you for this time together. I just pray that you would just give us a willing heart to just let go. And just to give it all to you. Financially, uh, verbally, emotionally. And God, and just worship you with our money. And just, Lord, this can be used for you. Money can be used for evil. But God, we can use it for good and for your kingdom. So Lord, um, let us sacrifice. And that doesn't mean just money, but everything. So God, we give us our, we'll give you our all and we lay it down. Um, thank you, Lord, for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So now is testimony time. 
And we have the CSU team with us. So, Testimonies are super awesome. You get to see a glimpse of Jesus in someone else's life because guess what? Jesus is in every single one of us. So I'm going to bring the CSU team up and come share. Cool? Yeah. Hello. Hi. I'm Madeline. I'm Carrie. <laughs> Um, I think I speak on behalf of all the CSU team that we're just so grateful to have been there, been here this week, um, and thank you for welcoming us um, into your community. It's been just such an incredible time serving with you guys. So, yeah. Um, let's see. So one thing that I noticed when I was walking around this week doing outreach was how an incredibly uh, tight-knit community your Chi Alpha is, and it's so encouraging. I Walking around doing outreach, I feel like I've run into so many people that we know. I think I saw David, like, every single day. It was awesome. <laughs> but um, you know that feeling when you're walking on campus and you see someone you know, and it's it's that time in your day where, you know, you might be having a hard day, and they know what's going on in your life, and they're a friend, they're a close friend to you. And when I came to CSU for the first time, I was super lonely. I was in my dorm, and I was hearing everyone else, you know, gathering and, um, yeah, having fun, and, uh, but doing it in ungodly ways. And I, I really was needed community, um, and I saw it elsewhere, and I saw it in places that, that weren't fulfilling and satisfying. Um, and at the same time, there was a girl who was pursuing me. Um, her name is Sydney. She was my small group leader. She's awesome. Um, yeah, and she, she was, you know, at my perspective, I was really confused as to why she wanted to talk to me. Um, she asked me one time she could give me a tour of campus, you know, just funny things like that. But they stood out to me, and I came, started coming to large group services, um, and I realized that Jesus was the community that I needed, and he was so satisfying, and my loneliness just vanished completely, um, and man, it was just such an incredible feeling, and I just encourage you guys to to pray to, for softened hearts to the lonely people on this campus at UNC. Um, yeah, that you turn to that person in your class that, that might not have a friend, um, that needs Jesus, and that together you guys can, can be sisters or brothers. Hey, y'all. So, yeah, um, my testimony, I, uh, I grew up in a Christian household, um, and uh, I, I knew a little bit about God. Um, our family kind of left the church when I was a little bit young, um, 
And so I knew a little bit from when I was younger, but uh, I definitely would not have called myself um, a Christian. I didn't even know what that meant. Um, and uh, so coming into college, I had um, no um, like reason to, or want to be a part of a Christian community. Um, honestly, I, that wasn't on my mind at all. I was focused on going to the parties um, and yeah, that was really what I was looking forward to when I came into college was just partying and drinking and um, doing what, you know, all the stories that I heard from my dad and his fraternity growing up. Um, and, you know, second day I came to CSU. Um, they were hosting a Capture the Flag event um, at the IM Fields. And, you know, I thought that was another, just another um, CSU event um, that was hosted, kind of like the Ramapalooza. Um, and my, my roommates dragged me over there to hang out. Um, and I met this guy named Bobby Ramos. I don't know if any of you guys know him, maybe. Um, and uh, yeah, he told me that they're actually not part of uh, the uh, CSU school um, kind of event, but they're actually a Christian ministry. And I was like, oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. And so shortly after that, you know, he started inviting me to hang out with him, go to small group. Um, and, you know, originally I was hesitant. I was like, uh, you know, I'm not a Christian. I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing here, really. Um, but it was, it was just this strange, like, he, he just, uh, he just uh, pursued me and loved me, even though he didn't really know me very well. Um, and that's something I didn't find in any of the other any of the other friends I met, I met during um, Welcome Week or anything like that. Um, and so over that year, he just started discipling me, and um, we started going through the Word. Um, and I started um, to know really what it meant, um, what it is to follow Jesus. And the idea that you can have a personal relationship with him was just completely new to me. I didn't, I didn't know that was um, at all possible. Um, and so, yeah, that year, I had a great year in small group, um, and really just learned about the Lord, um, and, you know, towards the end of that year, um, I decided to give my life to the Lord, um, yeah. Just wanted to encourage you guys as well, um, to, to pray for your friends, um, your classmates um, who don't know the Lord. Um, just wanted to read you this. I've been uh, reading through this book. It's called Prayer by Ol' Halsby. I don't know if anybody's heard of him. He's a cool guy. <laughs> One guy, Benji. <laughs> woo, woo. Yeah. Um, so, he says, uh, we should, uh, in, this is for uh, intercessory prayer, is what he's talking about here. Um, we should enter into this work and become personal and regular interceders for certain definite individuals. Ask the Spirit to assign to you the individuals for whom you should pray. If every believer would do this, the Spirit would distribute the unconverted in every community among the believing men and women of prayer. And ultimately, there would not be a single soul but what some consecrated and faithful believer would be praying for him or her. So I just want to encourage you guys um, to pick the people in your, or ask the Spirit 
to um, assign you people who need prayer. Um, and just be encouraged. You know, it was great um, walking around campus this week and speaking to students. They were so open um, to talking about the Lord. It was awesome. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we're not done yet. <laughs> Good job. That was cute. Um, <laughs> so we have honor bombs next. Um, if you don't know what they are, you get bombed with honor. And so basically at Chi Alpha, we love honoring. And basically that's just seeing the Jesus in someone and calling it out. Because I'm going to be honest, half the time I can't see Jesus in me, but when I have a sister come along me and say I have Jesus, it clicks ten times harder. So we just love honoring. And the people we have tonight are David Hoffman. And we have, I don't know if she's here, a German Hannah in Madison small group. German Hannah. Lori is German <laughs> Hannah. Praise God. Cool. German Hannah's going first. German Hannah's going first. Repeat, German Hannah's going first. <laughs> Lo siento. Sorry, that's not German. I don't know how to say I'm sorry in German. Does anybody speak German? In Shurigo. What? Exactly. <laughs> Nine. I don't know. <laughs> let's see, let's see. So Hannah sends her regrets that she couldn't be here tonight. Um, but let's see, I'm looking at the camera. So uh, I am Hannah from Germany. I love schnitzel. Um, <laughs> she really does. Uh, so... Tonight, uh, Hannah would like to honor Sage. Why am I wearing this? Looks like a beard. Um, I want to honor Sage. For me, Sage is someone who is always there for you and has such a calm and loving soul. It's true. Every time I'm with her, I feel peace, and I can truly see God working through her. Amen. Not only does she always listen, she also gives advice when you need it. Another thing I am so thankful for is that she got me to join Chi Alpha. Praise God for Sage. And with her help, I was able to find God again and work on my relationship with God. So all in all, thank you, Sage, for being such an amazing and loving friend. <laughs> oh boy. So the person I want to honor, um, first of all, loves food. Amen. He's um, a good cook. Um, he loves people. Um, and uh, most of all, he loves he loves God. And that person is Mr. George Cedars. <laughs> George, George, the first time I met you was actually on TikTok. You scroll, 
no joke, a week before I joined Chi Alpha, one of George's TikToks popped up on my For You page. Even before I met you, God was saying, pay attention to this man because he's going to work mightily in your life. <sighs> George, was you were the first real friend I made in Chi Alpha a year ago. And, uh, oh boy, I'm shaking. I can't. <laughs> oh, I don't like this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy. When my mom met you helping the clues move, um, she summed you up perfectly to me. She said, your joy for the Lord is so infectious that, it's, that it touches everyone around you. You are the kind of man that I wish that I can be. As a musician, as a leader, a mentor, as a friend, and especially as a follower of Christ. <laughs> so much more I wish I could say, but for now I think I'm going to just read a verse that I think sums you up perfectly. Psalm 65, verses 1 through 5 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Love you, George. George, you better be crying. If you're not crying, I'm crying for you. What the heck? Cool. Well, I hope everyone's ready because there's an awesome message tonight. So I would like to welcome up our fearless leader, Duncan Chance. Oh, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, it's good to see everybody. Hey, if you have never been to Kyle before, raise your hand. Hey, several new people. It's good to see you. You two are lying. <laughs> Man, so it is good to be back together. Um, how many had a great Christmas break? Yeah, kind of wish it was longer, right? I keep hearing that. Man, I wish it was longer, you know. But um, one, of, one of the things, I mean, I love Christmas break, but to be honest, man, I, I like being back together, right? And um, so if I haven't met you yet, my name is Duncan, and uh, I am, my wife and I, you already met my wife, she stood in for German Hannah, uh, but my wife Lori are the directors here at Chi Alpha at UNC, and so we just want to say welcome, and especially if you're new, you're welcome here. And let me just say this, we in Chi Alpha, we welcome you to journey with us. No matter what you believe, no matter what part of life's journey on, you are welcome in this place. You're welcome to join small group. Uh, we want you to be a part of us. We want you to share your perspective in our small groups. 
And when you listen to our messages on Thursday nights, we want you to take those messages home and think about them and pray over them and, and think about what they mean for your life. And if you ever miss a message, as was said, you can catch all the messages online. But um, it's awesome. And I was hoping Quentin was going to be here. It's his birthday today, but I don't see him. So if y'all see Quentin, wish him happy birthday. Um, so anyway, this is going to be an amazing semester. Um, uh, have you guys enjoyed, for, for those that got to hang out with the CSU teams, you guys have a good time with those guys? Yeah. So Colorado State starts school next week, so they decided to take the last week of their Christmas break and spend it with us on campus. Isn't that awesome? It's pretty cool. And uh, I, had them, I had them painting uh, the, one of the rooms at the church, and we got into some mold, and it was just incredible. So... <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun week, but uh, y'all make sure to say hello to them before you leave tonight, if you haven't left yet, or if, before you leave, so uh, if you haven't left yet. I uh, also want to just give a quick shout out to my friend Tim over here. Tim, wave to everybody. So Tim is actually from the same Chi Alpha that my wife and I are from down in Texas. We were, we were students together, and so we're old guys now, but... Uh, but it's just good to see Tim. He lives in Fort Collins now, so he thought he'd come say hi. But, uh, man, this dude loves Jesus, so if you want to know more about Jesus, you can talk to Tim. He'll tell you more about him. So, um, But anyway, um, so last time we were together, right before Christmas break, we had our uh, Christmas party. Do you remember that? And uh, I remember, like, the, one of the few things I actually remember about that Christmas party was Katie Chapman laughing until she almost fell over. Do you guys remember that? It's like one of the quietest people in Chi Alpha, and she like couldn't even breathe. It was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but when we were at the Christmas party together, we talked about the meaning of Christmas, and we talked about how Jesus has come. Jesus walked among us. God came and, in the form of a human and walked among us, and we talked about what that meant for us. Um, so tonight... We are beginning a series that's going to last the entire semester, and we're going to go through the Gospel of Mark, all right, the Gospel of Mark. And so essentially, we're, we're continuing the story that we started right before Christmas break, because although the, the birth of Jesus isn't mentioned in the book of Mark, um, we get to pick up on the story with the book of Mark, so it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, it's going to be an amazing series. I encourage you to take lots of notes. Um, we're going to be, uh, let me just say this, uh, if you're newer to Chi Alpha, usually what happens in the spring semester, we start to get into some really meaty topics, uh, topics that are a little heavier, sometimes are a little controversial. And so uh, we, we encourage you to take notes. If you take notes on your phone, I won't think you're texting or anything, that's fine. If you want to text, great, whatever. But, uh, but I'll just assume you're taking notes, but take lots of notes and, and journey with us every Thursday this semester, okay? It's going to be awesome. Um, but we're going to spend the entire semester looking at the book of Mark. So the book of Mark is one of the four Gospels, obviously, we as Christians believe in. Um, and uh, there, there's other Gospels out there, but, but, but we have found many of them to be heretical. Uh, they don't fit with the overall story, but we have found over the centuries... Gospels that seem to all agree with each other. And not only agree with each other, but also agree with secular history as well. And so we take them as fact. So we believe in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, 
And um, each of these books in the Bible gives a unique perspective on the life and teachings of Jesus. All right, that's what that's what the God. Now, who knows what the word gospel means? What does that mean? You guys know, right? The good news, right? It means the good news. And so, hopefully, throughout the semester, you will learn why we believe this is good news, not just for us, but for the world. Okay. So um, each of the Gospels gives a unique perspective on the life and teachings of Jesus. And so we decided, let's just go through the book of Mark. And so we're going to be going through it chronologically. So week by week, we're just going to be going through the book of Mark. And, it, and uh, but the book of Mark is one of the shortest, it is the shortest Gospel. And so it's going to work out perfectly. It's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, it's going to be cool. <laughs> um, and I also want to encourage you. Um, if you do love reading the Bible, or maybe you don't, but if you have a Bible or if you have access to a Bible, I want to encourage you to read the book of Mark on your own. Don't just get the content from Thursday nights, but read the book on your own. And so when you do come into Thursday nights, you kind of already know where we're going. You kind of know what we're going to be talking about. And maybe the Lord will speak something to you as well as you're reading through the book of Mark. We believe that the Bible is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And because of that, the Bible can speak things to you. You know, God speaks through His Word. He speaks revelation to you through His Word. And, and it's so important to know the Bible. The reason it's so important is because there's a lot of voices out there. And you may be thinking you're getting some revelation from God, but let me tell you, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not God, okay? It's not God. God's revelation is found in Scripture. So we believe that God can reveal Scripture to you, but only if you read it, okay? <laughs> so before we get, uh, begin our series, I want to just give a little bit of background on the book of Mark. Um, we, first of all, we know this. Samantha, you can put that up there. Give it up for Samantha, running slides. So... So we know this, we know that the Gospel of Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels, okay? It's the shortest. Um, it's also referred to as the Gospel of Action, the Gospel of Action. Um, it's, it can't, I've also heard it called the Gospel of Brevity, and the reason is, is because it seems like Mark, when he's writing his Gospel, he just gets straight to the point. He like goes from one point to another point to another point. There isn't a ton of dialogue. There isn't a ton of like descriptions of like colors and seasons and stuff. It's just fact, 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 fact. Um, and so it's often called the gospel of brevity. Um, it's simple. It's easy to read. If you've never read through a gospel, this is a great gospel to start with. Um, it's also the gospel written to the non-Jew or the Gentile. Now, some of you may be Jewish in here, I'm not sure, but if you, oh nice, awesome. Well, if you aren't Jewish, this gospel is actually addressed to you. And so, the, the vast majority of us here aren't Jewish, and so it's addressed to you. In other words, you don't really have to know a lot of like Jewish law and, and, and Jewish prophets and things like that to understand why this message is good news, not just for the Jew, but also the Gentile. It's good news for the whole world. And so it's a, it's a great gospel for you to read as well. Um, additionally, most scholars agree that the gospel of Mark was the first of the four gospels that was written down. Um, most scholars place the authorship in the lifetime of Paul. 
um, and before the, the destruction of the second temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. So essentially, the gospel was recorded in the lifetime of the apostles, and that's pretty incre- incredible. Um, basically, the person who wrote this gospel would have been alive at the time of Jesus, would have seen and heard and experienced the things that Jesus did while he was on earth. Um, so who is Mark? I want to talk a little bit about Mark because we actually know quite a bit about Mark. He's not just some unknown author. Um, Mark actually appears throughout the New Testament. Um, he pops up in different stories and different letters and different authors. Um, we actually find out from Acts chapter 12 um, that his full name is John Mark. And so some scholars believe that Mark may have even been his last name. Um, we also learn from Acts chapter 12 Um, that Mark's mother was probably from wealth because she was able to take in all of the uh, many members of the early church after the day of Pentecost. And she was able to provide for them and take care of them. So we know Mark may have been from a wealthy family. Um, It's even more interesting to me that we know from Peter's first letter to the church in 1 Peter that Mark was actually a disciple of Peter, the apostle. That's pretty cool, right? Um, Yes, the same Peter who was in Jesus' inner three disciples. The same Simon Peter who was nicknamed Pebble. You remember that? Uh, um, The the, the same Peter that denied Jesus three times on the day of Jesus' crucifixion. This same Peter discipled young John Mark in the faith. And so because Mark is a direct disciple of Peter, a lot of scholars believe that Peter helped Mark write this gospel. So we don't call it the gospel of Peter because it's attributed to Mark, but we think that Peter may have helped Mark write these things down. So that's pretty cool. So now that you have a background on the book of Mark, we're going to get into the book. And we're just going to look through, through chapter 1 tonight. We're not going to look at the entirety of chapter 1. We just don't have the time. But we're going to hit some pretty major points, okay? And then we're going to end the night together. It's going to be awesome. So if you have a Bible, Mark chapter 1. And we're just going to start in verse 1, and we can also, we're going to put it up on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, you can just read along. It's a cheat sheet for you. This one's free. (laughs) You guys laugh at everything. (laughs) All right, Mark 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So, do you see what I mean by like the gospel of brevity? We just move through a bunch of different stuff in just like four verses, okay? So whether you know it or not, what we just read, there was some meat thrown on your plate, okay? (laughs) In the first four verses of the gospel, we have some meat to devour. So I want to break down what we just read. Mark begins his gospel by referring to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And then he gets into a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. He immediately refers back to something that God prophesied would happen. So he quotes a verse that's actually, the the wording is found both in Isaiah chapter 40 and Malachi verse 3. So we can put these up there. I want to look at those. 
Starting in Malachi, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, Behold, I send, this is God speaking, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Okay, this is also, the same wording is found in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Okay, now this is meat, we're... we're We're eating meat, okay? So Isaiah chapter 40, it says this. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You see, when Mark was writing this down, he was referring to two different prophecies. And he's referring to the messenger of God, which which came to be John the Baptist, the messenger, who will be the forerunner of the coming of God himself. Yes, God himself. You see, in the Old Testament, the unpronounceable name of God in our modern Bibles is often replaced with the term, the Lord. Okay, so when you're reading through the Old Testament and you see that phrase, the Lord, you can put God's unpronounceable name in there. Now, I could say his name is Yahweh, but I'm not even pronouncing it correctly when I say that. It's not meant to have any vowels. It's supposed to be unpronounceable because of how holy he is. Okay, so when you see the prophet Malachi and the prophet Isaiah say, prepare the way of the Lord, he is saying, prepare the way for God. Prepare the way for God. In other words, God is coming. He's coming. This is pretty heavy. Prepare the way for the Lord. He's coming. So one of the signs that God is coming is that there will be a voice crying out in the wilderness Prepare the way of Yahweh. Prepare the way of God. This is one of the signs that he's coming. So what happens? It happens, right? A man named John the Baptist comes and he appears in the wilderness. He he starts baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. And what is his message? So let's go back to Mark chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off in verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the lands of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and honey. (laughs) You guys remember Kyle that was here? I like to think he kind of looks like Kyle a little bit. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the messenger that was prophesied is there, and he's crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of God. And then he tells people that God is coming. And there's one coming after him who is mightier than John, whose sandal strap he is not worthy to lose. So do you see what John the Baptist did there? John the Baptist, by fulfilling the prophecy of the messenger of God, 
would be the forerunner of God when he comes, would be the forerunner of Yahweh. He tells the people that God is coming. And when, he's, when, when he comes, when he arrives, he will be so worthy that John himself will not be worthy enough to even mess with his feet. <laughs> okay? So what happens? Well, what happens is that God arrives, as was prophesied in Isaiah and Malachi and many other places throughout the Bible. God arrives, just as the messenger John the Baptist promised. Did this one who was so worthy that John himself would not be able to to, to unstrap his shoes, did it happen? Was the way prepared? Did God arrive? So let's keep reading. Let's find the answer. Verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came up from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came down from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So John the Baptist is crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of God. Get ready. God is coming. And who shows up? Jesus. Jesus shows up. At the very beginning of the book of Mark, God who came to us is identified as Jesus. It is he who is referred to in Isaiah chapter 40. It is God who is referred to in Malachi chapter 3. And it was Jesus who is identified in Mark chapter 1. Do you see the meat? There's a lot of meat here, right? It's meat fest. It's meat fest. All right. Now, can I tell you how many times I've had this conversation on campus or out in the community? And someone will say this, Duncan, where in your Bible does it say that Jesus is God? Well, there are dozens of verses throughout the Old and New Testament. And if you want to learn more about that, come talk to me. I don't have time to go through all those tonight, but I will talk to you about that if you're confused. But here's one of them. The fact that the prophecy was prepare the way for God and Jesus shows up. Now, should we, should we have some more meat? <laughs> All right, let's read. Verses 9 through 11. See, that there, there's this thing. You have to move from milk to meat, okay? So we, we have to get off the bottle and pick up a fork, right? So, verse 9, it came to pass, right? That in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So what we just read, we see a fuller picture of who God really is. So in Chi Alpha, we believe in what's referred to as the Trinity. God is a trinity, okay? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just don't understand the trinity, so I'm just going to believe in it but not really understand it. It's really not that complicated. It, this chart is something that, I mean, you could just Google it. It's so super simple. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Son is God. It's one God but three persons that make up God. It's not three gods. The son, also, the Son is not some manifestation of the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. We know that. It is very simple to ascertain from the Gospels. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. This is very simple Trinitarian theology. 
So Mark, in the very first few verses of his gospel, throws out Trinitarian theology. This is, I mean, this is meaty, right? We have a man, Jesus, being baptized by John in the Jordan, and when he comes up out of the water, the heavens part, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And then another voice comes from heaven. The Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So we have the Trinity. We have the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit in one scene. This is perfect Trinitarian theology. Now, I'm willing to discuss it with you. I understand that not everybody's just going to go, boop, and the light comes on. Let's discuss it in small group, okay? <laughs> that's what that's for. But I, yeah, it, I love discussing this. Let's do it, okay? So we just read in verse, uh, the first 11 verses of the gospel, Mark identifies Jesus as God. Then he describes God as a trinity. He does such a great job theologically of defining who God is. Remember, this is the gospel to the Gentiles. The, or sometimes it's called the gospel to the Romans. So Mark has to be precise in describing who God is. Okay, so if you're taking notes, you could have written all that down. Maybe you can call that point one. I'm not sure. <laughs> but you should have some notes by now. Okay, bam. Let's keep reading. Now let's pick up in verse 12. Let's keep moving. Verse 12 says this, Immediately the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. So we probably read this in other Gospels, uh, but after his baptism, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the desert where he's tempted for 40 days. Um, and so to get a deeper understanding, again, the gospel of brevity, Mark doesn't go too in-depth into this. So I want to encourage you to read the cross-reference in Matthew chapter 4. So you can just write that down, Matthew chapter 4. You can learn more about Jesus' time in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. But we're going to keep moving for the sake of time, okay? Um, verse 14, let's pick up. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So we find out that John, John the Baptist, who was doing all those bap baptisms, is thrown in prison. So Jesus decides to come into Galilee. And this is a huge region that expands from the Jordan River all the way west to the Mediterranean Sea. And this is where Jesus decides to begin his ministry. And he begins saying one of the most profound things he says in all of Scripture. Did you catch it? He says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So the first words out of Jesus' mouth during his ministry is repent. Repent. The Greek word there is metanoia. So we're going to get back to that in a little while, but you can just store that away. But the first words out of Jesus' mouth is repent. Okay, so point number one was basically, yeah, Jesus is God. Jesus, you know, God is a trinity. Jesus says repent. That's all kind of point one. I don't really have points tonight, but... But let's keep moving for the sake of time. I want you to write this down because this next section we're going to read shows this. Jesus has authority. So not just that he came, but that he has authority. I want to look at several examples through the, through the book of Mark, through chapter 1, that show that Jesus has authority. 
Um, So let's pick up in verse 16. Remember, he's in Galilee now. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So we're talking about Jesus has authority. And I love how Jesus builds his small group, right? For your small group leaders, you small group leaders in here, wouldn't it be awesome if that worked? (laughs) You're like walking through UNC... Right? And there's a couple of people at the UC, and you're like, follow me. <laughs> and they just put down their lunch, and they just start following you, right? <laughs> or you find two other guys, like, like sit, you know, sitting under McKee, and, and they, for some reason, they have their dad there, who's from out of town, and their dad is visiting, and you walk by me and say, follow me. And they leave their dad, <laughs> and they start following you. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> um, instead of trying to convince somebody all semester that you're not some creeper and that you really like, care about them, you just say, follow me. Um, did you notice that these men who followed Jesus literally left their professions and they left their families to follow Jesus? That's pretty profound, right? If you're taking notes... Um, The question is this, am I willing to leave my career to follow Jesus? Am I willing to leave my family to follow Jesus? These are good questions, and I hope to address these things later in this semester. So Jesus has the authority to tell people to follow him, and people actually follow him. So what happens next? Verse 21, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So Jesus starts teaching at this local synagogue, but Mark makes sure to note that Jesus teaches as one who has authority and not just some scribe who, who writes down verses or someone who has head knowledge. Did you, do you know the difference, by the way? There are some people who teach because they have a lot of knowledge and they're communicating it, but then there are others who teach from authority because they know the source of that knowledge. There's a difference. It's good to have knowledge. Knowledge is great. I want as much knowledge as I can, but I can teach that knowledge with authority if I know the source of that knowledge. So, verse 23. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with, with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout the region around Galilee. So Jesus has authority. He has authority to cast out demons. Not only that, but the demons know who he is. 
Even the demons claim that he is the Holy One of God. Now let me just pause here for a second. Uh, Many times when I meet new students on campus, especially those that come from a Christian background, and I say, well, do you believe in in Jesus? They say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But what I'm learning is that doesn't necessarily mean they know him. Do you know why that is? Because of what we just read. Even the demons know who Jesus is. So let me just say this. It's not enough to just believe that he exists or believe that he's out there somewhere. That's that's not it. That's not the point. The point is to know him, to know him personally. Okay. so don't just be like the demons and just believe, but never go beyond believing. Okay. so um, just because you believe in God doesn't mean that you know him. Just because you believe in God doesn't mean you know him. Okay, let's keep moving through these examples. Picking up where we left off, verse 29. Now, as soon as as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered in the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. And she served them. So they go to Peter's house, Simon Peter's house. And Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. So what does Jesus do? He immediately lifts her up and the fever is gone. Jesus has authority, right? Another one, verse 32. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So Jesus just keeps going. And people hear that he's in the region and they start bringing their sick. <laughs> yeah, another one, right? <laughs> Jesus starts bringing, uh, or Jesus is there and people start bringing their sick and their demon possessed and he's delivering every one of them. Jesus has authority. Another one, skip down to verse 40. Now a leper came to him imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus has authority. Man, Mark. Mark with the meat. (laughs) So we're essentially through Mark chapter 1. And already at the beginning of his gospel, Mark tells us that Jesus is God, that God is a trinity, that Jesus has authority over all sickness and all unclean spirits. So I want to start to get to closing up our night together. And I want to wrap this up by saying this. The message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. The message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. So Mark has established that Jesus is God, that God is a trinity, that Jesus has authority. But what is Jesus' message? The message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. So let's go back to verse 14. We already read it, but I want to read it again. Verse 14 says this. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent And believe the gospel. Jesus' message is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. 
The kingdom of God is now. God Himself has come. The kingdom is here. So I know that if you've been with us for any amount of time, you've heard us say this, but there is no kingdom without a king. Last semester, if you journeyed with us, we spent the entire semester talking about kingdom culture. And one of the things that we established was that there is no kingdom without a king. At the very center of this kingdom is the king himself. The kingdom is here. In this message, the kingdom centers on one person, Jesus, the Son of God. So I want to look back in Mark 135 and read what Jesus says is his purpose. We didn't read this earlier. But I want to read this in closing. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. So we get a little insight, a little preview of how the rest of this semester is going to go. Jesus tells his disciples that the purpose for him coming is to preach the kingdom of God. Not just in one town or one place, but in the next town. And then in the next town. And the next town after that. Jesus came to let us know the good news of the kingdom of God. So what does this mean for us? What what does the kingdom of God stand for? What does Jesus mean by the kingdom of God? Well, what did we read about? We read about freedom, didn't we? Freedom from sickness. We read about freedom from demonic and unclean spirits. Freedom from sin. The kingdom of God means freedom. There is freedom in the kingdom of God. We read about deliverance, didn't we? Deliverance from chains and shackles. Deliverance from our trials and our sufferings. The kingdom of God means deliverance. There is deliverance in the kingdom of God. We read about the authority that Jesus has, didn't we? Jesus has the authority to call you to follow him no matter the cost. He has the authority to heal sickness, to cast out demons. After all, he is God. And he is king. John the Baptist cried out in the wilderness to prepare the way of God. And the king arrived. Jesus is the king of this kingdom. And because of this, he is the king of you and me. So worship team, you guys can come back up. Jesus is our king. So in Mark verse 15, we're going to close with this. Jesus tells us to repent And believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. And in ending our time together tonight, I want to put this into perspective. Okay? In Chi Alpha, we believe that the heart is the throne. Have you heard us say this before? The heart is the throne. And when Jesus sits on the throne of your life, when you ask Jesus into your heart, he sits on the throne. And he rules and reigns over your life. Um, F.W. Borum is a great author. Uh, if you can ever, f- he, actually, his books are really hard to find, but I have several. Uh, you can borrow them, but read them at home, <laughs> at my house, because uh, I don't want to lose them. 
Australian guy, preacher, pastor in Australia. Uh, he's an old dead guy, but he says this. He says, the heart is the throne. Purity must reign supreme. The will, so difficult to control, must yield unreserved allegiance to purity's beneficent rule. The imagination, so hard to confine, must no longer deck the mind with its seductive pictures. It must bow to the lofty beauty and unsullied purity. The thoughts must be brought into absolute dominion. Every purpose and intent must recognize the regal, the regal sway. Purity must reign in unquestioned authority. See, everyone has a throne. Everyone has something on the throne. For many of us today, we sit on our own thrones. We sit on our own thrones and we rule our own lives. But maybe you have something else sitting on the throne of your heart and the list is exhaustive. I know many people that have money on the throne, success, career, a three bedroom house. <laughs> a spouse and kids, uh, uh, making a name for themselves. They're, the list is exhaustive of what can sit on the throne of your heart. But that throne is only made for one person, and that's the king, God himself. He is the only one that fits on that throne. I know people that have like marriage and relationships on the throne, like boyfriend and girlfriend. I really want a boyfriend. I really want a girlfriend. And that constantly sits on the throne. But that throne is only meant for one thing. The reason that your life is so messed up is because the throne has been occupied by something that isn't meant to sit there. The reason that your life is so messed up is because the throne of your heart is not occupied by the king. And God knows this. If your life is messed up, it's not because God hates you. It's because you have the throne of your heart occupied by something that was never meant to sit there. So when Jesus says in Mark 1.15, Repent and believe the gospel... He's telling you to empty the throne of whatever is sitting there and let him take his rightful place. That's what that means. It's his throne. Let him sit there. Let him be the center of your life. Let him rule your life with the authority that he has. Let him deliver you of your sickness. Let him deliver you of your demons. Don't turn these other things, don't turn to these other things that don't even fit on the throne. Give the throne back to him. So that is our response tonight. Repent and believe the gospel. Give your life to Jesus, your rightful king, and let him rule and reign in your life. Let's all stand together. So as we go back into worship, I want you to repent. As we go back into worship, I want you to repent. Yes, even if you are a Christian, your response is repentance. Repentance, the Greek word as I mentioned is metanoia, which, is, which means a change of mind. A change of mind. It means to empty the throne of whatever is seated there 
and let God take his rightful place. If you're new here tonight, I'm excited that you're with us. And if you haven't noticed by now, we are Jesus people. And we want you to know that no matter what you believe, you are welcome to journey with us. But tonight, I want to encourage you to start your journey correctly. Repent and believe the gospel. Empty the throne of what doesn't belong there. And invite Jesus to take his rightful place in your life. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you by name. He knows what you struggle with. And he knows what brings you joy. Let him into your life and don't turn back. Even if you've been running for years, now's the time to stop running. You, O son or daughter of God, are welcomed back into the arms of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to go back into worship. But if you need prayer for something, I'm going to be available up here. And if there's a, a small group leader, small group leaders, raise your hand real quick. If you see somebody with a lifted hand and you need prayer, go to one of them. Or if you're not comfortable with that, go to somebody who you do know. Go to somebody who brought you and pray with them. But we believe that God uses prayer. So after, as we go into worship, if you need prayer, somebody will be available to pray for you, okay? Uh, these wonderful people from Colorado State, they're available to pray for you as well, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We are grateful for your word. We are grateful that it is deep. We are grateful that it's meaningful. We are grateful, Lord, that every time we look at your word, we learn something. We're grateful, Jesus, that you speak to us today. We're grateful, Jesus, that you have come into the world to set the captive free. God, tonight our response is repentance. Jesus, whatever is sitting on that throne in our heart, we cast aside. And we invite you to come take your rightful place in our lives. We give our lives to you, maybe for the first time, maybe for the second time. But God, we know that you're ready and willing to welcome us back. So we love you, Jesus. We are thankful for our brothers and sisters. We are thankful for those that have gone before us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc and you can find all of our content on YouTube by searching Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.